Hello, hello, hello. Once again, this is another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. And once again, it's KG, yours truly, and Doc on this podcast. Uh, won't put any timetable on it. We'll just go with the flow and see how long it lasts to get uh, some info out there for the listeners. Doc, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. It's been hot and heavy in the swag. HBCU in general. Been hot and heavy. A lot going on. And right here in our backyard. And you you started it, so let's just jump right in there and and you are um the host of one of the top HBCU shows in the country. So go around and just share the info. Share what you can. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, some of the stuff is already out there pretty obviously, so we'll just recap and uh, talk about to some degree just how surprising it is. is one of the things that came out uh, the la- over the last two weeks since we podcast is the fact that you had Ashley Robinson, the VP of Intercollegiate Athletics at Prairie View, take a, the same position at the Robinson School, at least in the SWAC, out of the Eastern Division, which does take him back home as well as his wife, is Ashley Robinson going to Jackson State University of, as the VP and Director of Athletics at Jackson State University. So that came up pretty quick. I had a chance to talk to him uh, personally, and he actually turned the job down the first time. And uh, the president, to his credit, uh, Dr. Bynum was like, no, this is who we want. This is the way we're going to go. So basically, as much as you can do at the, at the college level, uh, did what was necessary financially in years in terms of the contract uh, to get into Jackson State uh, in, in terms of that commitment there. So that was a big deal. Uh, certainly a tough loss for Prairie View. Myself as somebody I built a good relationship with, but certainly understood, much like uh, Coach Willie Simmons, uh, going back home in a lot of ways, certainly with his wife being a family graduate, uh, you see similar things as Jackson State, Jackson, uh, Mississippi is the city that uh, Ashley Ashley grew up in. Had over 300 plus people there at Jackson ready to bring him home. They were really excited about this. So many people around there saying they hadn't seen this type of hype around Jackson since Rich Thomasy came over from Tuskegee to Jackson State as the football coach. To give you some ideas of just how excited people are there. So that kind of Started everybody rolling. Uh, then you had the spring meetings uh, down in Atlanta or over in Atlanta, I guess you would say, uh, where um, it looked as if the presidents and chancellors were interviewing uh, the finalists for the commissioner job. And so uh, that was really interesting. And then it blew up when you got a report by HBCU game day that was retweeted <laughs> by Ralph Cooper in terms of Charles having the job. Now, what was interesting about this retweet and the initial announcement, it came out like Friday morning, um, maybe 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, excuse me, it came about 9 o'clock, I should say, uh, Eastern time, so you might, depending where you are, you're talking about an hour there. Um, but the meetings weren't scheduled to begin with them to even discuss how the interviews, what have you, that took place the day before, how they were going and where direction they were going. 
before the president chancellors had even got together, which was scheduled for nine to like four o'clock that day, uh, with the lunch break in between at about twelve o'clock or so. So a lot of people had put that out and got it on the social media platforms, got it on Twitter, but I think in a lot of ways that was ahead of itself, and I'm not even sure if they're even negotiating uh, with the finalists yet and who has came out of it. Many people think Dr. Charles McCullen is the leading candidate, but there has been no formal uh, presentation of that. So we'll have to see how that goes down and what takes place after that. Then on another level, still involving SWAC in a lot of ways, is that the assistant associate athletic director, Trevor, Trevor Scott, took the athletic director position at Kentucky State. Now, you say that's going from the SWAC, uh, but you are getting, obviously, the head position, and that is at Kentucky State and the SIAC. But the president... Uh, Dr. Brown over there is the former president of Alcorn State. And he intimated that uh, this was a big deal in terms of what direction they were going to go when they announced the fourth filing uh, in the SWAT. I mean, for Kentucky State was the framework that they were looking to decide where, whether they may consider moving up and joining the SWAT or the OVC. So they threw that out there. So the fact that they got a individual that is connected with the SWAC, what does that really mean in the big picture? So those things are extremely uh, intriguing. While I was in um, Atlanta, I got a chance to meet with the commissioner of SIEC. I got a chance to kind of get in his mindset of what he's planning to continue work forward. He's excited, obviously, about Savannah State moving into the SIEC as he continues to try to build uh, the SIEC conference that is very strong right now in the city in terms of what their positioning as a Division II program that had great basketball play and overall caliber sports in terms of what Albany State did, winning all-sports trophy and then winning in baseball, getting a lot of things done there. also had a chance to talk with John Grant, as executive director of the Celebration Bowl, as he was uh, putting his executive director um, luncheon together in terms of celebrating the Celebration Bowl and getting more people in Atlanta involved in that. And that's interesting as he was talking and getting over there and talking to some of the athletic directors about scheduling matchups for the MEAC SWAC Challenge again this year. It features Prairie View A&M and North Carolina Central out of the SWAC and MEAC respectively. So those are some of the things that have been hot and heavy. And the last one that has really shaken up and is really kind of going back and forth is Mike Davis and whether he's leaving Texas Southern University and taking Detroit Mercy job. In some ways, it depends on who you're asking. Obviously, before you left to get down to the spring meetings uh, in Atlanta, you had the fact that uh, that Tuesday, Texas Southern University and Charles, Dr. Charles McCullen himself came out and said that he was thanking Mike Davis uh, for the work that he did at Texas Southern, and the fact that he said that Mike Davis told him that he was going to take the job at Detroit Mercy. Uh, a couple of days came out, Detroit Mercy said that they had made a decision, uh, and that Mike Davis has not signed anything to take the job up there. So 
a little limbo going on and people are asking what's taking place there. Uh, but it looks like to some degree that Mike Davis may have kind of jumped the gun in, uh, in terms of what's going on there. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what's taking place in terms of the SWAC and HBCU football. So we only have about a month before we get into uh, uh, the media days for football, uh, but it's live. It's <laughs> going live going on right now. A lot of chatter, and it doesn't seem like it's going to stop over the next week or two, leading right into the football media day when folks really get excited about the football season. Yeah, the Mike Davis situation is interesting, and it had been rumored for a few weeks about Detroit Mercy, and, and I had heard at one point uh, that the, there's going to be a press conference uh, almost two weeks ago uh, to announce it, which is ironic because the person told me that at the time it hadn't went even been discussed. There wasn't even a request for interviews yet had been made yet. <laughs> so, so a lot of stuff had been just tossed out there with Coach Davis. And of course, his son Antoine Davis got his release from U of H. And U of H, uh, a few days ago, announced that they had filled that slot on the roster at roster position with the uh, 6'2 guard Landon Gosling from St. Edwards, uh, Division II player. 6'2, I think 180 pounds, uh, to take Antoine's spot on the team. So U of H has moved on, and U of H talent, as I said, I think in previous podcasts, and I've tweeted out months ago at the end of last season, that the 2018-2019 U of H team would have more talent than the tournament team of 2017-2018, and we'll just see how that talent meshes on the floor and how it does in terms of wins and losses. So uh, nothing has changed. I hear little chirps about uh, how things are looking and the workouts have begun. And, you know, this is summertime. A lot of uh, programs have begun working out, lifting weights, doing some what we call a five-on-five kind of type situations. Just, you know, just seeing how, Teammates playing together and just seeing what, what's what, seeing who, who can do what, that kind of thing. I'm hearing good things about how things are looking, you know, and, and some of the players on Twitter, and they have used last season's supposed to be the loss as motivation for this coming season to uh, go further in the tournament than last season. Yeah. And, and I think I've mentioned to you and Wildcat last year, I hoped that U of H and Coach Sampson would get to the tournament last year. But with the non-conference schedule that they had, I had some concerns that that RPI would keep them out of it. And then, of course, Cougars had success in conference, beating Wichita State to the two top 10 programs, which boosted their chances of getting in the tournament. Well, Doc, as of June 10th, 2018, I expect you basically get into the tournament in 2019. Yeah. 
You and me both. And I joke with one of my friends uh, because I guess Monday, Monday, I guess June 5th or so, Monday, Tuesday, two of the national bracketologists, uh, Jerry Paul, CBS Sports, and Joe Lenardi at ESPN, posted their early bracket projections for next season. Both of them have the Cougars in the tournament. Jerry Palm has them as an 11 seed. Lunardi has them as a, as a 7 seed. But the fact that they are in the tournament projections already is another indicator of the expectations nationally for the UH program are rising and have risen. And some folks say, well, you know, Rob Gray left. And gradu- you know, he graduated. Indeed, he did. There's still talent. There's still plenty of talent in the cupboard to absorb that graduation as well as Devin Davis. This team, I was just kicking around with some folks just looking at roster and stuff. This team is still deep, at every, too deep at every position. Maybe a little younger in certain positions. But that court is still solid. Got to get the front court to improve. And Chris Harris, big man, and Brian Brady got to stay out of foul trouble. But Fabian White was all freshman player of the year last year in the conference. Armani Brooks was sixth man of the year in the conference. Those, those guys are coming back. Yeah. Uh, Corey Davis will be a senior. Ian Robinson will yeah. be a senior. That's your backcourt right there, starting backcourt. What do folks say about tournament play? When we're guards in college, senior leadership, well, Cooper's have that. So injuries... Always play a factor. Don't, don't anyone doubt it. Injuries, serious injuries to key personnel clearly have a negative impact on any team. But the expectations for U of H are rising. They announced a home and home series matchup with Oklahoma State. So that's a, a, a Big 12 opponent, you know, power file opponent. Looks better on the non-conference resume. Still waiting for the rest of the non-conference opponents to be announced and scheduled to be announced. And you are a marketing mindset connoisseur with the Tillman Fertitta Center opening up this season, probably still in December. I think it would be wise for U of H it would behoove U of H to, whenever the non-conference schedule is finalized and announced, to have Coach Sampson have a press conference. Tim T to be there and announce to the media, local media, so the media can get it out there and say, this is who we have on a non-conference schedule. This is who, gonna, this is who will be playing at the Fertitta Center this season. Team X, Team Y, Team Z. Get the interest drummed up in the folks before football season starts in August, late, late August, early September, and say, this we have coming into the building. And also, by the way, and have out there for, not for the media, of course, but have the, um, the pamphlets, the ticket information for you want to have a alum, team ticket holders, come to the press conference and say, oh, by the way, if you want to buy your team tickets, we got folks standing by right here at the door or 
You can go online. I hit the phone number to call. Start drumming up. Keep that wave going of the interest and the momentum that was generated this past season about going to the tournament, being a buzzer beat away from getting to the Sweet 16, and just go with the flow. Keep the people, keep the people interested in the program, in the basketball program, because basketball is my thing, as you know, and, and as the listeners know. Football is not my thing. Major White, he has a lot of grad transfers coming to the program. He needs to win. <laughs> you can look at every other program at U of H this season. Men's basketball did well, tournament. Women's basketball made to WNIT. They're improving. Baseball, tournament. Track and field, finished third in NCAA. Softball, NCAA tournament. Swimming and diving, one conference. Golf, tournament. Doc, football went 75. That ain't going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. No. Not what you've had in the recent past, and certainly not with the momentum you have in of your other sports. And that's just not the expectation of what you wanted to do in football. So, yeah, he certainly has to take the next step forward and has to find a way to do it. As you talked about marketing basketball, I think that's an interesting scenario of how you try to get basketball out in front of football to some degree. Um, but you may want to have some combo-type uh, platform where you – because you traditionally are in a place where uh, football season kind of rallies up and you sure. get your uh, – talk about for the swag, you get your uh, football media days. So I might would do something a week after the football media day uh, of the American, where it is have one um, for campus and have um, this all sport type package. Mm-hmm. But the two focus points I would have for U of H, which I think would be really unique in regards to all the momentum you have in it. Obviously, the basketball facility uh, opening up. I would look at um, putting a program together, like I said, maybe the week, two weeks after uh, the football media day, doing a, a U of H media blast. Well, my two focal points would be basketball and football, men's basketball in particular, mm-hmm. and football with both the head coaches there, and bring folks out and really push. Uh, the two state-of-art facilities you have, the fact that you can get individual ticketing for those events, and then I would have some all-sports uh, ticketing platforms you could do uh, and really push that out in terms of that. And I probably would do something unique uh, where I would actually bring in uh, volleyball, if you would, in terms of making sure that I provide uh, uh, women's sports. Sure. Look uh, out there. So, I would do something a little unique than you traditionally see in terms of just kind of trying to get football to give you the momentum for all sports. I, I would look at taking advantage of the fact that you're going to open up the stadium. Then, obviously, uh, you can provide an update here. It's my understanding that the arena is not going to be open until the regular season games start. Right, yeah. And, and so they're going to play uh, preseason games at TSU. Mm-hmm. What I would like to see for the first game that opens, and obviously it would be tougher to do this for conference, 
but maybe your last um, game, and I know scheduling has been done, but it'd be nice if somehow you could uh, make arrangements if, if that first game that opens up is really a big contest to really nail down the middle momentum and getting everybody excited about uh, the event being open and getting a marquee opponent for that would be really nice to do that. And that, that makes so much sense that hopefully UVH has thought about that and ready to implement it. As an alum, I know in previous administrations, something that makes that much sense still wouldn't get done. But back to your idea about the the media blast, keep in mind this will be Ed Oliver's last year before going to the NFL. They're doing a little Heisman campaign. Have Ed Oliver come as well to to that basketball slash football greeting announcement to get the season and the interest drummed up. You know, that's one of your one of one of your best players in your program's history last year. So continue that momentum for him and generate interest for him as well as your other programs also. So you and I are giving this information to you, Vase. So hopefully the alums who are listening to this podcast will uh, spread the word. But non-conference schedules, um, U of H women getting close to finalizing their non-conference opponents. Hopefully by the end of the week, they'll be done, and then I'll be able to speak with Coach Huey to get his thoughts on those opponents. And um, that's roughly a week away. You know, you know, everybody knows until this, until the deals are signed and. The eyes died and teeth across. Nothing's final until it's final. But okay. um, hopefully they're r- roughly a week away before they announce their non-conference schedules. Uh, Rice women, I think Rice will announce theirs in July, men and women. Um, for listeners, I should have, hopefully once everything is done, be able to interview the coaches for Coach Huey. will be part of my one of my Houston Rombard View interviews. Rice as well. So just look for that on my website, HoustonRonBarview.com. You know, just because basketball is not being played doesn't mean doesn't not mean the season's over. So, you know, there's still a lot to do, a lot to take care of, a lot of people to interview and discuss, a lot of information to share on on my platforms. And Doc has, you know, run down a litany of things going on in the SWAC and HBCU athletics as well. So that's what we're here to do and share with you. And Dr. Mind folks, how they can find you on the World Wide Web. Yes, they can find me on the World Wide Web at www.theheritagegroupagency.com. So we've updated the website and changed the URL. So uh, I'll do it again. That's www.theheritagegroupagency.com. You can also find me on the social media platforms. Uh, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, that has not changed. So that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And catch me at all of those handles and platforms. Uh, you can also catch me weekly, Tuesday, on our radio show, where we'll get a chance to go a little deeper in terms of all this HBC sports news. 
uh, of the weekend. We'll see if anything has actually changed by Tuesday. Because we do the show every Tuesday live, 545 to 715. That is Central Standard Times, 545 to 715. Every Tuesday on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2. It's 92.9 FM HD2. KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2. Uh, and you can catch it live on www.k2hradio. Excuse me, k2h-tv.com. That's www.k2h-tv.com. Uh, as well as follow us on Facebook Live. And that's what I did uh, Tuesday. Uh, it was kind of late. So I missed y'all just discussing the uh, Mike Davis news. So I'll, I'll be... Uh, yeah, at that time it was really interesting because we literally had just uh, got the memo uh, that was tweeted out by Mark Berman uh, that had uh, him moving on and then later uh, evening you got the information that Texas Southern put out with the quotes from Dr. Charles McCullough. So it was hot and heavy on Tuesday when we were getting the news. And obviously, early in that day, Tuesday, you had the live uh, <laughs> um, press conference from Jackson State with Ashley Robinson, uh, which for his close people, they kind of knew by late Friday, Saturday uh, that it was going on, but they didn't have any official media release. And so the first time you really heard anything official was at his press conference on Tuesday. So last Tuesday was hot and heavy, so we'll see if it was. Stay that way for this, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'll be tuning in. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube, as well as Instagram. Twitter is a little bit different. It's VHR Review. Our podcast page is the KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc on Facebook. We have a Facebook page there. I also have a Houston Round Bar Review Facebook page. Our podcasts are available on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Pod Directory, different podcast places. You can check us out there. My interviews are also on TuneIn and Google Play. So different outlets, different different ways to share information with the listeners as well as readers because I do still write articles on my website and my blogs for women's hoops and men's hoops as well. Last thing, Doc, NBA's championship has been, has been determined. Golden State defeated, swept the Cavs. Warriors have won three of the last four championships. The finals, you got to see how great LeBron is. But you also, as Rocket fans, if they chose to watch, had a chance to open up wounds that probably didn't heal from the chance, from the thought process that the Rockets were so close to winning and defeating the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals and probably having a great chance of defeating LeBron and the Cavs and winning a third championship in Rockets franchise history. So it's now, it well, it's, not yet official, but the summer of LeBron has begun with the Cavs being swept. So, Doc, any any thoughts, any gut instinct of where you think LeBron will be playing next season? 
I don't know if this was a gut instinct or as a past old school Lakers fan, maybe it's more of a want. Uh, but the place that seems to make the sense to me because he has his two homes and things of that nature and what he's doing in the media. And I know everybody uh, with the, uh, excuse me, with this movies and television series, obviously, is L.A. And, of course, you can do that stuff these days from anywhere with the ability to take flights and have your summer times off. Uh, but it seems like that would be a, a place that would be interesting uh, to see him go. But then you have so many just variables out there, it's really hard to get inside LeBron James' head in regards to what he wants. Obviously, he was very clear that he wants to play around players that are very cerebral like himself, which you would think means that you want to be around more mature players uh, because it's, uh, it's a challenge to think that young NBA players, which is what the Lakers are full of, actually have that aptitude. Not that they don't have a mindset that will get them there, but the maturation hasn't taken place. Which puts uh, Houston in the place, obviously, as people put out there uh, with a uh, good friend of him, and Chris, the, the guard. Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. What he puts together. Um, obviously, uh, very intelligent players puts out there, and so it's going to be—it's really going to be fascinating to see this. Uh, as, as we talk about these dynasties, giving uh, full credit to the Warriors of what they've done, winning three and four years, and uh, they compare them for those other franchises that had dynasties that have done that with Chicago Bulls, Lakers, and obviously the Boston Celtics. But it's fascinating because you tend to look at dynasties with teams. But obviously, um, you have LeBron James who won uh, three championships in, a, in, in five years, if you would, uh, in terms of what he has done with Cleveland and Miami. So you talk about an individual in a lot of ways going to championship for eight years is almost his own dynasty. I think that's an oddity and a, and a credit to what he's able to do. Um, but... He just does things so differently for so many different reasons that oftentimes people really don't think about that it. it's going to be, for me, fascinating to watch because you'll learn in another way uh, just how much challenging he is in terms of why he does what he does. Roughly 12 months ago, I said that I thought LeBron would be playing with the Rockets in the 18-19 season. I still think that. However, the way it would have to be done if it involves Ryan Anderson's contract and the remaining two years, $41 million left on that contract, I just don't know what NBA team would want to take that on. It wouldn't be Cleveland. So it has to be a third team or, or even a fourth team. So it would be a, a very complicated trade for LeBron to end up a rocket, assuming that he opts into the final year of his contract, which is roughly $35 million and change. Um, has to do that by the end of June, roughly June 29th, to, to, do, to do that. And then go to the Cavs ownership and say, trade me to this team, trade me to the Rockets. 
and what the Rockets would have to give up to make the salaries match without gutting their team, you'd have to include Ryan Anderson and then Eric Gordon probably. So I think Eric makes 12 million, 12, 13 million. And then Ryan to 21 means so you're getting close to the 35 right there. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, like I said, got to find another team willing to and Doc. Based on how Ryan Anderson season ended, the team would have to be have to receive first round picks, multiple first round picks of which Rogers don't have really. Has to start like 2020. Because they don't have one in this draft, in the 18 draft. Um, so they can't have uh, trade back to back picks, first round picks, and back to back in consecutive years. Team, that, that team would have to be foolish to take on Ryan Anderson's salary in two remaining years without getting something that, that makes sense in return and not just Ryan Anderson's contract. So right. not not saying it's impossible because there are there's management, there's owners, general managers, personnel people that always it only takes one. One person to, to believe a change of scenery is all Anderson needs. Get him here, put him in our system, he'll flourish. You know, whatever. It only takes one team to believe that. I'm just my doubt about that is growing. So that'd be the easiest scenario to facilitate a trade. Well, not easiest, but that deal would not gut the Rockets roster. You right. just deal Anderson and Eric Gordon, and that'd be about it, and take get LeBron in return. Without Anderson and deal, then you're talking about Tossing in Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, you know, really getting into the core of your rotation. And other folks are free agents. Gerald Green, looking about Mute, Trevor Ariza. So it's difficult for Moore to get it done, but he's done things that surprised folks before. So, like I said, not impossible. It's just difficult. So, I would love for LeBron to be a rocket in terms of the, the coverage and the interest that it would generate for the Houston Round Bar View. Yes, sir. You know, so that's a selfish reason. I know some folks. I was on um, Sunday morning on um, Fox Sports twelve eighty in Rochester, and all the guys on that show. Doubt LeBron will go to the West because it's an easier road for him to advance to the NBA Finals, staying in the Eastern Conference as he's done 80 years in a row. I had a different thought while I was on the show with him. LeBron comes to a Western Conference team, give him a chance to prove to those haters slash doubters. See, LeBron couldn't, he can't get done in the West. LeBron take a team in the West knock off the Warriors in, in the conference finals, semifinals, whatever, and advance to the NBA finals and win. Then LeBron can say, uh-huh, see? I did what y'all said I couldn't do. 
I took a team in the West, got a championship. How you like me now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, that you know essentially that you're going to have to get by the Warriors to win it. And uh, whether it's the Rockets with LeBron or LeBron going to somebody else, other team in the West to get it done. And in a lot of ways, obviously, he has an affinity for. Um, San Antonio Spurs coach Popovich. So you never know if somehow they put that in the mix. Um, so it's just so many variables. But if you're an NBA fan, you love it because uh, as you compare it to the other sport, obviously NFL uh, and what everybody loves about the NFL is the fact that people seem to always be talking about it. Well, you got that now in a lot of ways with the NBA uh, and you have so many moving pieces and so many different variables of what's going on there uh, with several star players obviously LeBron James is the front man but it, it goes pretty deep with a couple of variables that everybody's going to look at now, obviously many folks are going to try to get to LeBron James to even see if uh, he may have some interest whether it's with the current roster they have or if they do some things would he jump on board so it also moves to other folks deciding to move variables and move pieces as they like to say on the chess match and this includes teams that are going to try to get better in general speaking uh, you have Pat Riley that says that he's ready to retire but he wants to make sure that he does his final piece for Miami uh, is he going to find a way to try to get back in the mix uh, uh, Golden State obviously Seems to be the magic man that they got Kevin Durant. It is certainly solidified uh, them in the history books of what they're doing. Do they decide to do something crazy and find a way to get in there? Uh, and so, even if it's just about getting to him and questioning him and talking to him, it's going to be fascinating just to hear uh, everybody thoughts on what's going on and what he's going to try to do, why he's doing what he's doing, and ultimately uh, he's really the only person that knows that. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. And you really began this segment with your thoughts about him going to the Lakers. There's a report this morning that uh, his sons have been enrolled in a school in L.A. for this coming school year, so that got oh that got the scuttlebutt already. So he's going to the Lakers, you know. So that hasn't been confirmed. Obviously, you really don't know. You can't really confirm fall enrollment at this point, but right. that that's already being kicked around as yes. something. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, and his sons are older now, and of an age that they can really communicate there and give some input to LeBron in addition to yeah. his wife no about, about where they want to live. So right. that's all a part of it as well. And these are kids that have had the ability to travel with him. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was interesting where some people would think the kids would have uh, affinity to stay where they are. These kids have had the opportunity, as they certainly should have, with the privilege that um, 
being children of LeBron brings to the table. But with that, that means they've traveled uh, quite extensively in general, not to mention that they've grown up on the AU circuit, which travels anyway uh, a part of everyday living in general. Um, so them to have experience of L.A. in different ways is nothing going to be new to them. So it, it would be fascinating that they are going to get to share that. But I think it's going to be much more enlightening than probably people would give the general young person uh, in terms of their thought process of whether they would want to move or not. You know, <laughs> you never know. They might be excited about talking about going to L.A. Yeah. Or or what or whatever city, San Antonio, right. Boston, Philly, Houston, whatever. Yeah, Dad, we we've been Miami, we've been here, whatever. We want to go here now. You know, so who knows? So that just adds another layer to it, and it's just another layer to the intrigue of the summer of LeBron. So because when he makes his decision and goes to, because it will probably take depending on unless the Lakers who have the cap space to sign him to a free agent contract outright. If it's, if a trade is involved then it's going to take some time to get all that done. So once he goes to his new team, because I think it's just almost no chance that he's going to stay in Cleveland unless the Cavs find miracles to shake up and add talent around him, which is right. And it's fascinating for me for a lot of people that try to say that he has so much control of the roster, uh, which uh, obviously could quite be possible. But if he really had that much control of the roster with the with the owner, uh, obviously CEO of the uh, the franchise, if you would, is why wouldn't he have done more to keep the uh, or uh, why wouldn't he been able to have a stronger voice in terms of keeping the GM that the team that he had a good relationship with and thought they should have kept. But I think that becomes odd to me when you say that he had so much control of things but wasn't even able to have as much control with that. And I put all that out there to say that that relationship, as we all know, between Dan Gilbert is not very strong at all. So that it's going to take a lot for him him in terms of Dan Gilbert to be able to put something on the table that keeps him there from an organizational platform where it's not bigger than him, which is really the reason why he came back. Correct. So I agree with this thing very challenging that uh, Cleveland is going to be able to pull that magic rabbit out of the hat again. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. So one more time, let folks know how they can find you on the internet. Certainly, you can find me uh, information on the website. It's www.theheritagegroupagency.com. Again, that's theheritagegroupagency.com. You can catch me on the social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Uh, you can catch me on our weekly radio show. That's every Tuesday, 545 to 715, 545 to 715, every Tuesday on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2, uh, 92.9 FM HD2. Uh, you can catch it uh, 
And I am KG Chris Garden of the Houston Round Ball Review, www.houstonroundballreview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram and YouTube. Twitter is a little different. It's T-H-E-V or the H-R Review, Houston Round Ball Review on Facebook, fan page, our podcast, the KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc. That is a Facebook page as well. Our podcasts are available on the SoundCloud, iTunes, PodDirectory, et cetera. Doc, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight and your knowledge. Look forward to your show on Tuesday. Going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more. <laughs>